Let us pray. Living God, help us so to hear your word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow your way in all thanksgiving and faithfulness, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Amen. Today's first lesson comes from Psalm 126. Listen now for God's word to you. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Our second lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is, it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I am so grateful to have been invited to come um, and be with you today. And I am also grateful for the ministry of you, Kirk. Don't miss the trees back there. My office at South Mecklenburg Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, backs up to a field, and behind it is a wooded area. Last week, in the middle of a hectic workday, my coworker Donna walked by the door and called out over her shoulder, don't miss the trees back there, on her way to the next task. My office window is often a source of joy. Last January, after several months of a very quiet campus, 
I remember hearing the sound of laughter and looking behind me to see preschool children just having come back to school, playing a rousing game of tag, masks tightly affixed, feet flying over the grass. The moment, once a mundane sight, had taken on new meaning. I made sure not to miss it. It was one to savor. Sometimes outside of my office window, I can see people walking their dogs or going for a run. Once or twice, I've even caught sight of some snowflakes, though we don't get very much more of that than y'all do down here. Don't miss it. Gratitude requires a certain attentiveness, doesn't it? A slowing down. In order to be grateful, we have to notice what we have. What do we miss in our hurried lives? Consider the lilies, Jesus reminds us. Don't miss the trees. Gratitude is a practice something that we have to work at in order for it to become second nature. And though we would really like for it to, it doesn't come very naturally to most of us. Rather, what we are naturally inclined to do is worry, doubt ourselves, be a little greedy. Jesus understood this. He knew that we are a lot better at contemplating our own navels than looking up to see the world around us. And that's what he's pointing out in this passage. And when I say we, I mean me too. When John shared with me that this is your Harvest Sunday, I looked up the lectionary scripture for Thanksgiving Day this year. The lectionary is a tool that churches all over the world of all different kinds use to decide when we should read and preach and teach about different passages. And that's so that we make sure we get to all the important stuff and not just the things that we want to study. Anyway, when I saw that it was Matthew 6, 25, I let out a big sigh. I don't preach all that often. But the last three or four times that I have, the lectionary has suggested to me a text that deals with worry. And this, of course, is the work of the Holy Spirit, who knows that my biggest spiritual struggle is worry and likes to use this time to work on me, too. I have even memorized Matthew 6.25. I recognized it immediately because I hope that somehow it will seep into my soul. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But this one verse, without all the context surrounding it, is not very helpful. It's kind of like, a Facebook meme, or one of those cute signs that we hang up in our house or in an office. We know that it's true and it's right, but we don't really have a way to make it real in our lives. We have to keep going. 
to get to the linchpin, which is this. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Don't you know who you are? Jesus is saying to the disciples, to us, you're God's children, children of God. Consider the lilies. Look at the sparrows. God takes care of them. And if God so takes care of them, don't you know how God tenderly cherishes and sustains you? This is perhaps one of the most wonderful and the most difficult things in the Christian journey. To accept that we truly are children of God. And so we don't have to hoard. And we don't need to fret. We are held. It may be our lifelong task as Christians to fully receive this gift. Diana Butler Bass says it like this. Gratitude is not warm feelings about what we have. Instead, gratitude is the ability to embrace the gift of who we are, that we are. In the multi-billion year history of the universe, the gift is that each one of us has been born, can love, grows in awareness, and has a story. Life is the gift. And when that mystery fills our hearts, it overwhelms us, and a deep river of emotions flow forth. I am. We all are. What we feel when we contemplate this remarkable thing, that feeling is gratitude. Gratitude, then, is not something that we set aside to do once a year on Thanksgiving Day. It's a disposition, a way of encountering the world. We are children of God, and we have been given the greatest gift of all. So I started to pay attention after Donna reminded me not to miss the trees, and I saw so many things. I wrote them down so I wouldn't miss it. Here are just a few of them. The satisfaction after painting a room. Somebody paid my fine at the library just because she had cash. This one day on my way home, it was the way that the sun hit the trees. You've seen that, right? The way the first graders welcomed the child who was late and caught her right up to what the group was doing. A very recent widow who came to worship last Sunday and was immediately surrounded and quite literally held up by her community. Hearing a preschooler stage whisper to her mom, that's the one who reads us the God book when I passed her in the parking lot. Kay, our Thursday volunteer who stops at my doorway every single week and says, 
I hope you have a project for me. Coming home tired from a meeting to my plate sitting on the stove, ready for me to eat dinner. Just on their own, taken one by one, these things might seem kind of trite, insignificant, mundane, but they add up to a kind of abundance when they're taken all together, when we're paying attention. Aaron Wathen posits that abundance is the root of both generosity and gratitude. And she offers this advice to parents in her book, More Than Words. I think it applies to all ages. Teach this liturgy to your children. We already have everything we need. And then she says this, that simple liturgy on repeat in our households, we already have everything we need. It might be the most countercultural message we can instill in our children. We have everything that we need. And of course, people who believe that they have enough actually do have more. It's not just self-fulfilling prophecy. It is a practical reality. People who always note abundance spend less of their money, time, and energy running around trying to fill the void with new and different things. And that's what Jesus means. Don't you know who you are? You don't need to chase the, wor- the things that the world teaches you that you must have. Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. In other words, I have already given you life and given it to you abundantly, and so you can rest and be grateful in that knowledge. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful to be relieved of the burden of filling the void, of being sure that my value does not come from what I have or from what I can do, but from the God who made me, who saved me, who sustains me. I got a little stuck this week. Sometimes it's hard to think about gratitude and worry in a new way. And so, I asked my nine-year-old daughter, Clara, on the way home from school for help. What, I posed to her in the car, do you think happens when we remember to be thankful? In full disclosure, I also told her that I was preaching on gratitude and that I was kind of stuck, so it is possible that she gave me her very best Sunday school answer. But here's what she said. Hmm, I guess it makes us less greedy. I think that when we think about what we have, it makes us want less. Jesus made that connection too. Just before this lesson about worry, he says this, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. But instead of Jesus kind of wagging his finger at us and shaming us, that's not what he's doing. 
He's saying, accept who you are. You are loved. You have enough. You are enough. So you don't need to hoard, share. And you don't need to worry, rest. And you don't need to take, give. Follow me and I'll show you the way. Henry Dean Alford, a priest in the Anglican Church in the 1800s, who wrote the hymn that we sang earlier, emphasizes how we can rest in this knowledge. Come, ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in, ere the winter storms begin. God, our maker, doth provide for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple, come. Raise the song of harvest home. It's said that Reverend Alford would stand and thank God at the end of every day and after every meal, that he understood thanksgiving and gratitude as a way of life that sustained him. And so, instead of being reduced to a kitschy quote on a waiting room wall, true gratitude, that overflow of emotion that changes and transforms us when we understand the depth of God's love for us, it's not at all trite or insignificant. It makes us resilient and strong. We become people of courage who stand up for justice and who maintain an inner peace when our worlds are turned upside down. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we're wearing our God lenses, our gratitude and generosity lenses, our perspective changes. The storms of life may shake us, but we are held by a love that is greater than anything else in all creation. Gratitude is also more than emotion. It is a disposition that can be chosen and cultivated, an outlook toward life that manifests itself in actions. Gratitude involves not just what we feel, but what we do. Thanks is both a noun and a verb. Gratitude, worry, abundance, generosity. Jesus calls us into a life of gratitude, of recognizing our abundance, of accepting our belovedness. And Jesus calls us to share it with the world. I'd like to share this poem by Mary Oliver with you. It's printed on the front of your bulletin. And maybe the Spirit will reveal something to you through it. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? 
Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading, or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing and gave it up and took my old body and went out into the morning and sang. So this Harvest Sunday, let's be the people who do not just observe Thanksgiving. Let's be the people who embody it. Let's be the ones who share, who slow down, who don't strive for more and more and more. Let's be gratitude, generous and just, courageous and calm. Amen.